Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome again to another edition of Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name's Pete. And I'm Sheila. And what's our topic today, Pete? Today we're going to be talking about King Edward VIII. Everybody knows about the story between Edward and Mrs Simpson and his subsequent abdication. But today's podcast is going to be about what effect that abdication had on the stamp world. So after George V died on the 20th of January and Edward came to the throne... It was only a matter of days before the Australian Post Office approached Britain to talk about designs for new stamps. And that prompted the British Postal Service to to think about what they were going to do. And it was decided that they would quickly produce a small set called the Accession Issue before subsequently working on designs for a coronation set followed by a permanent definitive issue after that. And so they progressed quite quickly within a matter of months of his accession. They had come up with some ideas for a stamp. The post office decided not to invite artists to submit ideas, which was the general format. But instead they asked the printers, Harrison and Sons, to come up with some ideas themselves. They also asked the chief of the GPO's department drawing office to come up with something and designs were submitted by some of the public as well. Significantly, a schoolboy called Hubert Brown, 17-year-old from Torquay, wrote to the Postmaster General and said, could I submit an idea? I've come up with some ideas, can I submit them? And when they said yes, he subsequently sent off his design, which was quite simple with a central portrait of the king, the value in figures in the top left and a picture of the crown in the top right, And then along the bottom was the value written in words with postage and revenue on either side. It was quite admired within the post office and they forwarded it to Harrison's and Sons. He heard nothing more for a while. Eventually the post office wrote back to him and said, Sorry, they weren't suitable, but thanks for your efforts. A couple of months later, when they released the stamps, they were clearly using his design but they didn't recognise him at all. They didn't give him any recognition. And so it was produced as Harrison's and Sons' design, and they produced four stamps. A halfpenny green, a penny halfpenny brown, tuppenny halfpenny blue, and a penny red. It wasn't until January the following year when the philatelic press got hold of the story that the post office eventually admitted that they had changed his design slightly and gave him some recognition, but he was never rewarded monetarily. He never received anything for it. And his father wrote a a piece in one of the papers saying he regretted the deception of the post office. But that's as far as it got. That's outrageous. It is pretty outrageous, yes, yes. They basically stole his design and he didn't get anything for it at all. And, And what year did all this happen? 
1936, the, the stamps were released. It was only uncovered the following year when the stamp world found out about it. And Just published. imagine if that happened now where we've got social media. Just think of the rallying round we could do for that young lad. Yes, yes, it is, it is strange. And, and what I find strange as well is, is that they didn't make a fuss about it. It was just it's regrettable that the post office didn't do that. That was as far as his anger or annoyance went. Different times, I, I suspect, different times. But, uh, yeah, so so really the, the design belongs to Hubert Brown, but it was never attributed to him because Harrison's sons submitted that they changed the design sufficiently for it not to be his. After those were printed, those four stamps were printed... They became the only four stamps issued with a picture of Edward the Seventh. Uh, sorry, Edward the Eighth on them. But there was a lot of work done by other countries and and more work by the post office, which never got anywhere. After the release of the accession issues, the post office started work on producing a coronation set. And on the tenth of March, the postmaster general had an audience with the king. And between them, they agreed that there would be a set depicting various castles in Britain with a picture of the king in one corner. And the king was unsure about the portrait, and they decided to go back and and alter the design slightly. Um, And this went backwards and forwards for a while, until it became likely the coronation was never going to happen. But on 29th of July, Harrison and Son produced a series of 15 rough designs with a portrait of the king and several castles, including Windsor Castle, Balmoral, Holyrood House, Houses of Parliament, Nelson's Column, Tower of London, all of these in a picture with the king's portrait in the corner. Only two of those were taken beyond the rough stage. Those were the ones of Windsor Castle and the Tower of London, and proofs were made of these two stamps, but nothing was actually printed in Britain. Australia, on the other hand, went quite a way further than that. They actually produced a stamp, a Tutney Red, of the king in in uniform. And printing of that stamp began in September 1936. Some sheets were printed. The the governor uh, was invited to have a look at them and was presented with a souvenir sheet for himself, which he took home. He signed the corner on the back. But once the abdication was announced, the Australian post office requested that that sheet be returned and all the other stamps were destroyed, which they were. However, the governor had already taken out a corner block of six of those stamps and sent them to somebody in Britain. And those six stamps have never been found again. Uh, I don't know why the governor didn't say who they'd been sent to or why they weren't traced further. But there are six stamps somewhere in the world of an Australian Tuppany Red with King Edward VIII on them. That is the only other stamps in existence, but they were never issued. Canada was another country that spent a lot of time and effort producing stamps. And in March of that year, they received the photos that had been approved by the king and set about designing a set of stamps to be produced. Proofs were sent to London for approval, but by which time, before they'd been approved, the king had abdicated. 
So all the proofs and everything from that set was destroyed and never seen. And the only other country that did any work, as far as I could work out, that did anything towards producing an Edward VIII set of stamps was the Falkland Isles. And on the Falkland Islands, somebody called George Roberts drew photos of the island's fauna and flora and various scenes from around the islands and made a design with two circles. In one circle on the top left-hand corner was a picture of King Edward VIII and in the other corner was a picture of the crown. These were sent off for approval but once again, uh, once the king had abdicated, they were completely withdrawn from service. However, the Falkland Isles were quite clever because obviously after Edward VIII abdicated, then George VI came to the throne. So all they did was replace the photograph of Edward VIII with one for George VI and used exactly the same design. So they saved themselves a lot of money, which the other countries didn't manage to do. So that's the story of Edward VIII's stamps. There are basically four stamps ever produced in the world, and those are the four stamps produced in England. They were used by Morocco agencies and Tangiers, and the same stamps have can be found with overprints for Spanish currencies, French currencies, and, and English. But apart from that, and the six stamps produced from Australia... There are no further stamps in existence for Edward VIII. That was his impact on the stamp world. So I'm just wondering, because we're getting lots of stories now about Queen Elizabeth II's failing health, presumably in respect of the Constitution, we will have King Charles. I mean, they must be working on stamps, I would have thought, for Prince William as well. I mean, I can't imagine... They spend just a few weeks doing a stamp. It must take time to get the designs done and approved and everything. As you can see by this, it was six, eight months between him coming to the throne and anything being produced, and longer in certain circumstances. I wouldn't think they'll, they will have done anything with William yet, because as you say, constitutionally, Charles will take the throne. Who knows how long he will be on the throne for and William could have changed significantly in that time. I mean, I guess with modern technology, though, it's quite easy and quite quick to... It's probably a lot quicker now than it would have been in the 1930s. Added to which, of course, when, certainly for Commonwealth countries, when Canada had made a design and sent it off for approval... It had to be sent by post to the UK, whereas now it will be it will be emailed along. That part of it will be a lot quicker. So I imagine the whole process will be quicker, but whether they've actually started thinking about designs or come up with any ideas yet, I don't know. I would imagine it's not something that they would ever admit to. I mean, how does it work, though? If you've got a country that's got a royal family, do you generally have the king or the queen of that country on the stamp? Britain is the only one that does. On on every stamp, there's a picture of the monarch. All other countries have some stamps with pictures of the monarch, if they've got a monarchy, but not necessarily all of them. Different countries have very different, different ideas, and obviously different ideas about the monarchy. Yes, certainly in Britain, there is always a portrait of the monarch on the stamps. I would imagine that will continue in the future. 
there's certainly be plenty of photos of Charles around already, whether one of those will be used or whether they'll get a new one done. But generally, he would have to approve it before it's actually put on the stamps. It won't happen overnight, but I should imagine it'd be a lot quicker than it was in the past. I mean, maybe we ought to do a podcast about when Queen Elizabeth, because she became Queen very unexpectedly, I think, at the age of 21, didn't she? Yeah, it could be interesting to find the process from start to finish to find exactly who does what and how many people have to approve it before it gets to uh, printing. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the story for today. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll speak to you again next week in another edition of Our Dad Stamps. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps, as well as through my online shops at eBay and Delcamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast.